Listener supported. WNYC Studios. He has a very unique perspective on parasites. He sees them really as just another creature in our world that also serves important roles in the ecosystem. So the way he presents them in his artwork, uh, he has this series called uh, Parasite Monster Girls. And um, it really captured me and I decided that I really wanted to do um, a story about it. Welcome to Universe of Art, a podcast from Science Friday and WNYC Studios about artists who use science to take their work to the next level. I'm Science Friday producer D. Peter Schmidt. So we've all been in situations where we tried to get friends of ours to watch or read or listen to a piece of media that you just completely love. And usually that kind of advocacy can fall on deaf ears. It can be really difficult to put words to that sort of thing. Now, magnify that problem with scientists who care so much about a certain topic that they sometimes devote a huge chunk of their lives to it. And what if that topic is maybe not the most appealing thing in the world on its face? How do you get people to look past the surface level and have them emotionally resonate with it the same way you do? Well, the subject of today's episode had that exact problem. Dr. Tommy Lung is a lecturer at the University of New England in Armadale, Australia, and he studies parasites not necessarily an animal that people are fawning over. So he got creative. He's also an illustrator. And he turned to the art style of anime and manga to give a fun and accessible twist on these fascinating creatures. And before we learn more about that, I'm here with Lauren J. Young. She's an associate health editor at Scientific American and former Science Friday digital producer. We used to work together. She wrote an article for Science Friday's website about Tommy and his parasite art a couple years ago. And she's here now to discuss it. Nice to talk to you, Lauren. Hey, Dee. It's really nice to be back. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so can you give a brief overview of this piece? Yeah, sure. So the story is really about parasites, which are really actually, to me, very fascinating creatures. I've always been, you know, I studied biology and I took a lot of entomology classes that covered various examples of parasites. And they honestly get a really bad rap, which we know there are some very seriously harmful parasites that cause like diseases in humans and things like that. And obviously, popular culture has really, um, you know, taken off parasites in a slightly negative way. In film, like Aliens was one of the first very well-known popularized like use of um, a parasite in fiction. And obviously, you know, watching it as like a young child, a traumatic thing to see (laughs) a creature bursting out of someone's chest in order to like survive and live and and move on to its next life stage. And, And that's scientifically like how parasites work but i really learned as parasites is it is just another lifestyle another, like, <laughs> it's just a very like you know different lifestyle than than what we obviously know but i came across this particular parasitologist uh tommy lung and i've been familiar with his work for a very very long time because he has a very unique perspective on parasites he sees them really as just another creature in our world that also serves important roles in the ecosystem. So the way he presents them in his artwork and also in his writing, too, he's a really, really great writer, really drew me. And uh, he has this series called uh, Parasite Monster Girls, which um, I found, I think, through Twitter. And um, (laughs) it really captured me. And I decided that I really wanted to do um, a story about it for Science Friday. Right. So you included a lot of Tommy's illustrations in this article. Can you describe what they look like, just so our listeners have a better sense of what we're talking about here? Yeah. So 
Tommy's work, it's it's so vibrant. It's kind of, it's very playful. He's been a long fan of manga and art anime. So that really obviously is kind of the crux of his style. And I, I remember him telling me like, yeah, like it started out as a hobby. Like I mm-hmm. really love parasites. It's what I do for my research. And I really love anime and I really love drawing. So I'm going to bring yeah. this all together in a, in a really cool, neat way. And the caricatures are just are just awesome. And they're just really playful. They all have their own personality, which I really love. But you could see in all his artwork that there's just these kind of cute, too, motifs in the fashion of, mm. <laughs> of the parasites. Like, uh, there's one called Ophelia, which is based off of a species of cordyceps, which is mm. a fungus. And her kind of, like, corset upper body is like covered with these like fruiting bodies <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah, like very totally. much yeah very much a reference <laughs> to the actual fungi itself so it, it's really fun like clearly his science really informs his artwork and um you know his style is just so pronounced but yeah <laughs> yeah it it's clear he's having a lot of fun with it <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> i mean like you were a fan of parasites going into this did your like how you thought about them changed after you wrote this Well, one of the things that really struck me was the sheer diversity of them. Again, like when we think of a parasite, really what we're we're talking about is just a specific relationship between two different organisms. So for me, it just opened up my eyes on how many types of organisms are considered parasites. And we don't really know a lot about the diversity of parasites because since they are, I think there's a bit of this sort of ick gross factor. There's less of an investment in studying them. And so there's these parasitologists like Tommy and other various groups of parasitologists that are really fighting to understand and conserve them in order to understand how they play a role in all of our ecosystems. I can't remember if I quoted Tommy on this, but I, I feel like at one point he said, like, you know, we're all just living actually in a parasite world. Like, <laughs> that's really what it is. Like, you know, that mm-hmm. that's my take on, on all this, too. What really changed my perception of it all. We're living in a parasite's world. <laughs> that's a great place to end it. All right. Uh, thanks for uh, writing the article, Lauren, and thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. And now here's the Science Friday article, Why We Should Defend Parasites, written by Lauren J. Young. Most crickets aren't good swimmers. They often drown or become easy bait to aquatic predators. Yet you may find one mindlessly wander towards a stream or pool and willingly fling itself into the water as if possessed. The culprit of the cricket's demise? A thin, long worm called a nematomorph parasite, commonly known as the horsehair worm. The moment the cricket hits the water, the worm emerges from its gut twisting and writhing like a snake. Growing up to four feet in length, the horsehair worm coils inside the cricket's gut and will consume its nutrients and fat. It can only find mates and reproduce in water. So to complete its life cycle, the parasite manipulates the host behavior. There are ginormous worms that people say, ah, so scary, but they're actually quite amazing, says Tommy Lung, parasitologist at the University of New England in Armadale, Australia. Parasites, like horsehair worms, contribute to the larger ecosystem. Researchers in Japan found that the crickets were being eaten by local endangered species of trout. This subsequently has caused the trout to eat less of the other stream invertebrates that help decompose leaf litter and cycle nutrients. These horsehair worms are like a fast food service for the fish, inadvertently, says Lung, explaining that the trout wouldn't typically have access to the cricket meal otherwise. From this particular perspective, the parasite performs specific ecosystem roles. If you like the fish in the creek, then you've got to appreciate these worms that are working hard to bring these fish more food, he says. Parasites are often feared, repulsed, and overlooked by many people. But researchers like Lung are fascinated by the lifestyles parasites have evolved to survive. 
He studied parasitic flukes that will clone themselves and form a colony inside snails, parasitic fungi that infect ants and sprout, quote, beautiful fruiting bodies, and even the tapeworms and nematodes from the gut of a beached whale. Lung is trying to change how we see parasites through his research, writing, and vibrant anime art, Parasite Monmusu, or Parasite Monster Girls, a series of monster characters inspired by parasite species that get a bad reputation. The word parasite in general vernacular is kind of like an insult, and that's one reason why people don't care about them, he says. Approximately 40 to 50% of all animal species are parasitic, making up a considerable portion of global biodiversity. In a recent Science Friday interview, parasitologists and ecologists describe efforts to better understand how this large group of organisms drives ecosystems, and even build an argument to conserve them. The majority of parasites are out there not infecting people. They don't have anything to do with human beings or human lives, says Lung. He wasn't a part of the research group that wrote the recent review paper, but he also studies the relationship between parasites and their ecosystems. They're like any other wildlife. They're just living their lives, he says. In a parasitic lifestyle, the organism steals resources and lives off a host to survive. Parasites, in this nature, do harm to their hosts. We most often hear of the parasites that are detrimental to humans. Disease-causing worms, agricultural pests, lice, and mite-infested livestock. There are parasites that are causing a great deal of suffering for people, says Lung, explaining that parasites are not always good. But they are extremely interesting in their own place. Some people will try to learn about parasites to eradicate them, But for me, I want to learn about parasites to understand them. And we'll be right back after this short break. Most conservation laws and policies are focused on charismatic creatures and megafauna, says Lung. Since some parasites are specific to particular hosts, Conservationists should consider preserving the parasites that live on host species that are endangered, he says. For example, the California condor breeding program had deloused and treated the birds with pesticides during conservation efforts, inadvertently wiping out an entire species of louse. If you want to save the condor, you should also consider saving things that live on the condor as well, Lung says. Parasites have diverse and complex lifestyles, lifestyles that aren't so easy to live. A host can be a hostile home for a parasite. They have defense mechanisms and immune responses that make it difficult to survive. Parasitism is actually one of the most challenging lifestyles in this planet, Lung says. When you're in your home, imagine every single appliance, every piece of furniture is actively trying to kill you every time you use them. That's basically what it's like for a parasite, says Lung. Many parasites must use multiple species to grow and reproduce, jumping over highly improbable obstacles to survive in different environments, he explains. For instance, the nematode parasite Myromeconema neotropicum will infect and turn an ant's abdomen red, making it look similar to a ripe berry. It will manipulate the ant to raise its abdomen in the air for birds to eat. Once it's in the bird's digestive tract, the nematode will lay eggs and continue its life cycle. These types of manipulative parasitic behaviors have inspired popular culture. From the classic chest-bursting monster in the movie Alien, to the parasitic fungi that unleashed a zombie apocalypse in the video game-turned-TV series The Last of Us, to the fungi-carrying Pokemon Paris and Parasect. But their lifestyle and perceived ick factor have given parasites a negative reputation, too. Most people have this picture of parasites as this really lazy way of life, Lung says. They use the word to describe people who leech off of others. Even the phrase leeching off other people is based on the parasite, and it implies that they're really not putting in any effort and using others. 
Lung says there needs to be a change in the way we speak about parasites. He writes a Parasite of the Day blog where he highlights various species and avoids using language that evokes horror or gore. He also illustrates Parasite Monmusu or Parasite Monster Girls, what he calls his, quote, love letter to parasites. It's kind of my way of showing that parasites can be cute, he says. I don't see them as gross or grotesque. I find them cute and fascinating amidst their grotesqueness. They go hand in hand. As a fan of drawing and anime, Lung was looking for ways to merge his interests together. He'd been watching an anime about Monster Girls when he got the idea to apply it to parasites he encountered in his studies. For Parasite Monster Girls, Lung draws upon a style in Japanese anime, manga, and fan art called Gijinka, where animals and non-human entities are anthropomorphized as animated characters. People relate to that a lot more because they say, oh look, it's a person, and sometimes I could spark interest in parasites as well, he says. One of Lung's monster girls is Dr. Delilah, the leech monster girl doctor. She's a licensed medical practitioner who treats other monster folks and was inspired by the actual medicinal properties of the leech Hiroto medicinalis. The leech secretes saliva with anticoagulant proteins, which could be useful blood thinners for preventing clots after surgery. It's just one example of how Lung shows the other side of parasites and how they live. Parasite Monster Girls series started off as a fun hobby, but it turned into an avenue of art and science communication. I do it for my own fun, but it sort of also has a secondary outreach side effect, says Lung. It's actually made me a much better artist. Researchers know very little about parasites and the number of species that exist, Lung says. In addition to identification, there are many species out there that we see, but they don't have a name. They just remain undescribed, he says. Basic cataloging and taxonomy is one of the first steps needed in conservation efforts. It's even more essential to be monitoring populations as environmental factors like climate change may shift parasite-host relationships. Scientists are just beginning to understand the details of how important parasites might be, Lung says. They're actually performing really important ecosystem services that we never really appreciate, says Lung. While some may think they aren't the most charismatic creatures, parasites are still a part of our world. Most parasites on this planet are just quietly completing their life cycles, doing their own things, and they're not out to get you, Lung says. Parasites have as much of a right to exist as any other organism on the planet. And that was Why We Should Defend Parasites by Lauren J. Young. If you want to check out Lung's Parasite Monster Girl illustrations, you can head to sciencefriday.com parasites. Universe of Art is hosted and produced by me, D. Peter Schmidt, and I also wrote the music. Charles Burquist and John Dankosky provided production assistance, and our show art is illustrated by Abel Hayford. The original article you just heard was written by Lauren J. Young. And support for Science Friday's science and arts coverage comes from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. Also, if you have an idea for a future episode of Universe of Art, send us an email or a voice memo to universe at sciencefriday.com. We'll be back in two weeks. See ya.